Good evening, America, and good afternoon, Australia. Welcome back to Radio Tony, and this is the Everyday Business Show. Listening live online is my gorgeous Philippines VA, Peo, and he has all the information you need to connect with us on the show and our amazing guest for today. Don't forget, if you miss anything from today's show, jump on to RadioTony.com where you'll find all the information from today's show. And if you're listening live, thank you for listening live and welcome to the show. Today's guest is an international speaker, author, facilitation and podcast host, Karen Vaughan. In a former life, Karen was living a rock star life, partying, performing for screaming fans, staying out all night and basically believing she was the centre of the universe. She still is the centre of the universe. However, she is drawn to do different things now. Karen says uh, at 35, her life was carefree, selfish and somewhat reckless. Uh, She was performing at a leisure centre in the suburbs and lapping up all the admiration. She had to take a break and got a phone call, and that call would change her life forever. Karen did everything in her power to keep her sister alive, but she failed. That event significantly changed her life, and Karen was forced to think outside herself and about the power she had to help others instead of Pulling all her, putting all her energy, rather, into her own selfishness. She discovered how important and how healing a life with meaning could be. Since 2003, Karen has been on a mission to build on this meaningfulness and, uh, and has, has, over the years, propelled herself upward to make a better life for herself and others and ultimately the planet. In 2014, Karen wrote the award-winning book, Magnificent Kids, which showcases 23 little superheroes who started world-changing projects before the age of 18, somewhere as young as seven. In a strange but wonderful turn of events, it was this book that led Karen on to found One Planet Classrooms in 2015. One Planet Classrooms is a not-for-profit which supports schools and communities in Africa with projects such as clean water solutions and sustainability projects, women's empowerment and adult education programs, feminine hygiene solutions, as well as coordinating a sponsorship program that provides education for over 180 children. In 2018, Karen became wildly accountable after making a pledge to launch a female-focused initiative in front of 300 women at an International Women's Day event. No backing out of that one. And she co-founded Girls with Hammers, which hosts conferences and workshops aimed at empowering women. In 2019, Karen released her book, Get Off the Bench, which is about getting your project or your idea out of your head, onto paper and into action. Why? Because so many people that Karen was talking to had brilliant ideas but just didn't know where to get started. In 2020, Karen launched the Get Off Your Bench podcast as a way of reaching and inspiring more people to kickstart their idea. Karen's guests share the journey of how they got to where they are today and they dig deep into what they have built in their lives and the challenges and wins they have encountered along the way. So, 
for Karen to have had so many impactful twists and turns, good and bad, she has gathered a very large bucket of tools and lessons. Welcome to the show, Karen. Wow. Thank you so much, Tony. Great to be here. You made me a bit teary with that introduction. (laughs) Oh, Karen, I've been looking forward to this show, um, which we've entitled Get Off the Bench. But let's go back and start at the beginning. Let's talk about that phone call, what was happening in your life, what the message was, and how it caused you to react in that moment because it was a life-changing point in your life, wasn't it? Oh, it certainly was. And like you said, I was just having the time of my life and thinking that I was the only person in the world and all that mattered. And, you know, I was playing a gig and I was just, um, yeah, lapping it up, you know. And then I saw a missed call from my sister. So I went and uh, rang her back. This is not the sister that that we're talking about, but another sister. And she says, hey, you know, bad news, Carolyn's got cancer. And and in that moment, you know, I didn't see the C word for cancer, which some people do survive, you know. I just saw the D word for yeah. death. And, you know, it, 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 I was completely numb. You know, I, I went onto autopilot. I, I was like everything I built this foundation on just crashed, you know, and, and, you know, I'm yes. gonna I'm gonna start crying, but that's okay because it's a quite a vulnerable. Yes. You know, I want this to be real, and you know, she, um, yes. you know, her and I were best friends, so you know, it was it was a really difficult situation, really difficult, but we moved through it, and um, yeah. Karen, did you have to go back on to stage after that phone call, or had you finished the gig, or? Uh, I know I was halfway through and, um, you know, I'm one of these people oh, that, you know, I will I will continue my commitments, to, you know, no matter what's happened and, um, you know, I went on the stage many times with things in the background and sort of turned them off. So I had to go back on and pretend to turn it off and, and it was all good until I sang Knocking on Heaven's Door and then, you know, oh, that was the end of me. That was like, but I still pushed through it, you know, and, um, yeah, got to the end and, and, you know, I remember driving home just completely. Uh, you know, I, I just saw death. You know, that was that was all I saw. And um, negative as that sounds, you know, I, I really struggled yes. to push my way through that. You know, but but we did got <laughs> moved through it. Can we talk a little bit about your sister's journey? What sort of cancer? What what happened in that time? And obviously, she succumbed to her battle. Um, and that must have been incredibly traumatic for you and the family. Mm-hmm. She she was 28 when she got, um, you know, the diagnosis of breast cancer, and, um, you know, she kept saying, oh, don't worry, I'll get through it, I'll get through it, but, oh, she was such a tough nut, you know. So it was a five-year battle, you know, she, um, she yes. tried and tried. She ended up with chemo, radiation, all that sort of stuff. She was so tough. She used to drive herself to Melbourne, you know, an hour and a half, and have radiation, drive herself home again because she was, she'd refused to ask anybody to, to help, you know, which was stupid, but oh. she was, she was a nugget, I can tell you. But anyway, she, she, we, we had a family holiday years before that in Hawaii and I was going to Hawaii, um, yeah. in 2000 and, 2002 and she said oh I want to come and so I took her and um you know she wasn't right we got off the plane and she was a bit sort of sluggish had a headache um and this went on for 
went on for a week. You know, she kept saying, I've just got a headache. Go and get yes. me some tablets. And and in the end, I said, after a week, I said, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm taking you to a doctor because she kept refusing. Anyway, as it turned out, she'd had a brain bleed on the plane. And what we didn't know was that her she had, um, you know, cancer in her brain, which we didn't know that. And so oh. she had a she had a scan in Hawaii and it was kind of like, well, I was over there with her and had to make, you know, some very, very hard decisions oh. about the decision was, do we, she's going to die. Do we let her die here? Do we try and do life-saving surgery and maybe it'll work? Do we put her in palliative care in Hawaii? What do we do? You know? So I chose the um, the operation, rang quick phone call home and uh, the surgery had the, the, was probably she was going to die on the table, you know, but she didn't. She she made it through. Um, it was a real struggle. The family flew over with the help of people in my local town in Warrigal. Oh, we, they raised so much money to bring my family to Hawaii. And then, um, you know, the, the the surgeon was just incredible and he says, I've, I've got a friend who's a, a radiologist and she, he said, he can do radiology and you can get her home to Australia because that's what she wanted. He said, buddy, we'll fry her brain completely. So you need oh. to make that choice. So we made that choice and, um, you know, gave her brain damage and, and um, we got her home because that's all she wanted to do was get home. Um, and, you know, and anyway, she and she died a few months later at home, but she somehow made yeah. it. She kept talking to me on the way home on the plane. Do you see that blue angel? Isn't he beautiful? And I kept thinking, oh, this is just the, this is the most most wow. hellish uh, airplane flight. But anyway, she made it. She, you know, did die a few months later. She got through Christmas and she, you know, she left two twin boys, seven and a, a little girl, four, and, um, you know, th- that was the hardest part, I think. And, um, yeah, that was the hardest part, you know, with the kids. But yeah. so, and I tried to save her, you know, I, I was like, yes. I'm the oldest yes. in the family. I have to save her. And, you know, I employed the services of witch doctors, <laughs> you name it. You know, yeah. I did everything. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I, I saw myself as a failure, you know, because I didn't save her life. And, and I should have. I'm the oldest. And, yes. um, but Karen, that was what is it what is it about that oldest child that causes us to think that we have to be the savior of the family that we have to be the protector of the family and that we have to save the family i clearly identify that as the oldest in my family and i understand when you say saying that there's something internal in a lot of elder children that have that compulsion to save and save the others in their family. So, oh, gosh, how did you work through that, Karen? You know, and uh, I don't do that anymore. You know, I've decided, no, it's everybody's yes. journey and they can do what they want yes. and you know, I need to step back. But how I dealt with it was... You know, I got offered, I, I decided to move back from the city to our hometown and believe it or not, she died the next day. So, you know, the the time was impeccable. But um, it's it. I had, had a really great job offer and, and I decided, no, I'm not going to take that. It was like back then, it was, this was 18 years ago and it was $800 yes. a week 
I thought it was a great offer, but I ended up working in a nursery for two hundred dollars a week because I felt like yeah. I, you know, I I could hide behind the plants, you know, and and I could no one could find me. I could have yeah. my grief behind yeah. the plants, and that was that that didn't work at all. The the nursery owner was an absolute drag, and I ended up locking her in a shed. But I know I know she survived because I saw her in Coles two days later. But anyway, <laughs> but um, you know, so I ended up leaving that, but um. About a year, the next year, the following year, uh, the local, a few local people in the town said, invited me to join the Relay for Life, which is a cancer council yes. uh, walkathon yes. kind of thing, and asked me would I like to be on the committee. So I, I sort of over the way I am, you know, I overextended myself and took on three roles and, um, you know, activities, uh, entertainment and ceremonies. And Yes. In that moment, in doing that, and when the event came together, and I saw uh, what it, what I'd achieved and what everybody was doing and how everybody felt, it, it occurred to me then, really strongly, that hey, this feels great. When you extend yourself beyond yourself, and mm. you you help other people, helping my sister was a natural, but to extend myself yes. way further for no gain to myself. Uh, that really opened my eyes and I, I can't, that was the true sense of altruism, you know, and I, I, I felt yes. amazing, not because I felt like, wow, look at me, I'm so fantastic, but to no, see it, people feel good. So that was the turning point and I did that for a few years and, yeah, it really made a difference to me. Do you think that um, if you're, you know, you're, your sister looking down would be really proud of that turning point in your life? Yeah, absolutely. And I know she's looking down because, uh, you know, whenever it's Christmas or Easter or birthdays, she appears, you know, just in the form of we'll find a C, you're just written somewhere and, you know, (laughs) the amazing things. Um. You know, she she typed a C into our our family's message messenger chat the other day and, you know, there's just always something. She died at um, 5.55, you know, and um, in in the afternoon. And her and I always had this thing, 5.55, you know, we'd ring each up, uh, like the American TV shows, 5.55. And she died right on 5.55, you know, and um, so there's so many synergies. Um, She died on the first to the second of the third, you know, one, two, three, five, five, five. Like it was just so many amazing things. So she keeps coming through as 555 all the time, you know, and it's, I just say, hey, Cal, you know, and it's, I just know she's there. So she'd be proud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there is that that strongly held belief on, I believe with you, Karen, that um, our human existence is just part, that our soul lives on for forever and that that soul is the thing that is, uh, unconditional love and support and happiness for you and and whatever you're doing and to know that she's still popping in from time to time to say go Karen go Karen it <laughs> must be just the loveliest feeling um and in doing what you do now and dedicating so much of your life to the help of others the, one of the other points in your journey was around that time that you started thinking about the book Magnificent Kids. What prompted you to write the book Magnificent Kids? 
Yeah. I started working for TAFE, teaching at TAFE for um, people with disabilities, not teaching, teaching people to work with people with disabilities. And I also taught um, VCAL for a while. And what I, during during the um, disability stuff, I became a specialist in autism and behaviour, and I was working in oh. a lot of schools, you know, helping people, uh, teachers, you know, and and so what do we need to do with with the behaviour management? But they kept saying, "Can you fix these kids?" And I kept saying, "It's not the kids; it's the environment." Oh. You know, we're looking at kids wrong. Yeah. Spend too much time focusing on negative behavior what we need to be doing is focusing on the strengths you know and at the same time I was also a big animal rights and still am a very big animal rights advocate and I was talking to adults about the cruelty that we subject upon animals and it was kind of like just hitting brains and you know not not making sense but what I realized is that when we talk to kids about it you know they're they're our hope for the future so those two aspects, I guess, you know, made me write the book Magnificent Kids. Um, I wanted to highlight kids around the world that were doing amazing things in world-changing projects yeah. and, you know, just a, yeah. just a couple of them, like Jack Andraker, you know, he 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 asked 100 labs if they could, uh, if he could use some space to test his pancreatic strip because a friend of his family yeah. friend died of pancre- pancreatic cancer. Well, he's developed a little strip that costs one cent that is more accurate than the other testing. And the, the 100th lab said, yes, he can. Now, he's gone on to do incredible things. Clover Hogan oh, yeah. is another kid. She was... Um, she did a film on Bawa, which is a Bali rescue centre that I worked at too, so that attracted me. Well, now she runs Force of Nature in um, in, in London um, addressing youth ecophobia and she's dealing with the, the biggest names in the world, you know. So so the, that's just so much evidence that you, you give kids a go, you know, you, you highlight their strengths, yes. you focus on their strengths, yes. they're going to make a massive difference. So... That really, I'm so glad. I still talk to the kids in that book and still friends with a lot of them and amazing, amazing. I love to agree with you, Karen. There's something, um, to, my two favourite um, interviews in 2020 were with um, a 15-year-old uh, inspirational speaker and an 18-year-old um, eco-warrior that was managing 150 uh, conservation projects across the planet in COVID whilst trying to study for uh, year 12. Wow. I just, it blew my mind. Mm. And I, I so agree with you about the idea of empowering our kids and picking the, the gold that is already in them and allowing them to um, spread their wings and create magic. And I, I, I wish that we could do that for every single child on the planet because we yep. would change humanity and we would change yes. the world. In um, in talking about um, kids with autism, uh, I've found that in lots of my conversations there's always something uniquely, beautifully special about any child or adult with, with autism. They, mm. in effect, have some sort of superpower and if we could highlight that superpower with each of those individuals, again, we would create magic across the planet. Why do you think it's still hard for people to tackle 
working with autism, thinking about autism, what is it that holds people back from embracing autism as being just another diagnosis that you can work with and create magic from? Oh, look, I think it's just a lack of understanding. There's a, a number of things. You know, I, I used to teach that there's men and women and we're completely different. We're completely different, yet we've worked out a way to work together. Well, let's add another brain yes. in because it's just a different wiring and let's have a, a, a three-way, you know, conversation about all different angles and different perspectives. The other yes. thing I think is that it's an invisible disability. Do You, you know, like you, you, with, a, with a person yes. with Down syndrome, you can clearly see that they have a disability and we make allowances. You, you know, but when a person with autism yep. doesn't look like There's they have a disability, no. and so when they do something quirky, we're, we're very quick to judge and think, "Oh, what, what's wrong with that person?" And the other thing is, too, we've become so so good at talking social rubbish. You know, we 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 waffle on about rubbish so much, and people with autism they just want black and white. You know, let's get to the point. Yep. You know, none of this social yep. rubbish. And I often, and we just don't know how to do that. We don't know how to manage having a, a, a very direct conversation without all the fluff. And I, I kind of yeah. think, wow, if, imagine if more of us were like that. We just have black and white conversations. I know it can't work in every situation, but boy, get rid of that grey fluff and just get to the point, get on with life, and make a difference. Wow, wow, what a world. Well, that's my Absolutely. thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, I I am particularly passionate about judgment, having suffered so much judgment my whole life that if there's one thing I'd like to change is to encourage people to stop themselves in that moment when they recognise that they're judging someone. And I know that I do it myself, but I've actually gotten very good at going, whoa, wait a bit, Tone, that's a bit, you know, how dare you uh, consider that your thoughts on this, that matter, whatever, are correct? Uh, how, how dare you judge someone without knowing the complete understanding? And even then you still shouldn't judge. I'm passionate about people judging others because there should never be judgment. There should only be um a position of love and understanding. And again, just that small thing, if we were able to stop humanity judging each other or someone thinking that they're better than someone else, that we're all equal, again, what could we create in the future for our, our grandchildren, Karen? Yep. yep. That whole idea of just stop. Judging. Look at that that beautiful child that's been diagnosed with autism. Recognize their own and unique superpower and focus on that. Don't focus on the other stuff. Yep. It sounds um, so easy, I know, but it, lots of people out there just won't even give it a go. Won't even go there. Um, Karen, yeah. what did you discover about yourself in working with special needs? disability and autism? I, I learned that I was kinder and more compassionate deep down than I actually thought I was, that, that, that I knew I was. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I, I realised that, I, realized that um, I think one thing that really came to the forefront was that my acknowledgement, my realisation that 
I have this gift that really makes people feel safe. Do you, you know, and yeah. I, I would never have thought that, but, you know, that is such a gift. And, and I, I, I noticed that all people with, with autism just sort of came to me, you know, they were attracted to me and they just were, were safe. It didn't matter what I said, they were just there. And I think that, that that's such a gift, you know, and if it, if it took someone with autism to bring that out in me, then I, I'll be grateful for the rest of my life, do you know, it's because I use that everywhere, do you yeah, know, sure. not, yeah. not, not intentionally. Yeah. It's, yeah. Again, those special superpowers that make our personalities unique, I, I know that it took me a long time to discover those, but then when you discover it and and start to think, okay, and then start to know. It's the knowing that changes things, isn't it? You might yeah. have a sneaky feeling, oh, a few people have told me that, gosh, I feel safe or I feel I can talk to you about anything, but then then there's the knowing and the knowing and the knowing, no, I know that I create safe spaces for people yeah. to be around and that changes everything because then it doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter no. what criticism is directed at, at you. You know without a shadow of a doubt that that's one of your superpowers. And each of us has lots, don't we? Yeah. It's just a yes, matter of working do. out what they are. And I think the problem is that we, we feel like we're full of ourselves if we accept these great things. You know, we're, we're too busy sort of reflecting yep. and saying, no, no, that's just luck. And But we have to, we've got to stop that because there's enough Recognize. people. Yeah, well, there's enough people judging us and cutting us down and everything else out there. We just stop cutting ourselves down. We, you know, I've got a big thing about being authentic, whether people like it or not. Do you, you know, they can take me, they can leave me, and at the end of the day, I don't care. I would much rather yeah. have friends than not have friends, but um, I yeah. remember saying years ago to somebody who asked me to cheat for her, and I said, no, I'm here to make a difference, not to make friends. Do you, and, and I've stood yeah. by them. And um, I hope I do make friends on the way. And building relationships is so important to me. But um, I will never sell yes. my soul. Never sell my soul to build a relationship. Never. But Karen, I know that I've. Um, I talk to probably more Americans than I do Australians. So when I have an Australian on the on the show, I like to talk about that tall poppy syndrome that is prevalent in yep. Australian society. And it isn't apparent in American society as much as it is in Australia where someone who's doing well, we like to disparage and, and bring them down and take them down a peg or two. And that is not good for humans. It's not a good place to come no. from and it's not a good thing to do and we need to stop it. Yeah. We do, absolutely. You're okay while you're the girl next door or the boy next door and as soon as you, you know, you, you make it to Hollywood yeah. or you make it somewhere else, it's kind of like everybody criticises. And I think that, you know, you, you just have to keep on your path, stay in your own lane, yeah. do your thing and because people need you and if you succumb to poor pop, yeah. tall, tall poppy syndrome, yeah, you're doing an injustice to the world. People miss out. So... I think yes. we each have to be strong and say, well, you can say whatever you like, but I'm on my path and I'm staying on it. That's right. Yeah, again, it comes back to that knowing and that clarity around dis and I think that's mm. I think that's a superpower of women yeah. who reach a certain age. So I'm quite obviously middle-aged now, but I wouldn't trade the wisdom 
that I have in my mid fifties or anything because yep. it's hard one and it's precious and that knowing yes. that you know what you know is a great shield against yep. a toxic world at times. Um, Karen, I wanted to also talk to you about um, the founding of a not-for-profit organisation because I know from talking to many people that this is no mean feat. (laughs) What was the catalyst for the non-for-profit organisation? And tell us a little bit about its journey because it's pretty fascinating. It was. It came as a result of Magnificent Kids, the book. Um, I had a book yeah. launch and I took a photo with a friend with the book and she had a friend in Africa, in Guinea, and uh, he said on Facebook, oh, I love that, where can I get that book? So I sent it to him. And then he says, he, he started messaging me, I want to start a Magnificent class. And uh, I said, great. And he, sa- he said, will you Skype with my kids? I said, yeah. And then I said, why don't we get a couple of the kids in the book to Skype with you? your your class oh yeah that would be fantastic and then I jumped in feet first because I always do that you know sometimes sometimes I make a mess of it this time I made a mess of it so I jumped in feet first and I said well why don't we why don't we get your class to Skype with a class in Australia and you can learn about each other and we can break down some boundaries because I don't believe in all these borders around the world where we're one people one planet one love and 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 I thought wow if they can Skype together. So then I put a thing on Facebook. Hey, yeah. does anyone have a laptop? The next thing I've got 30 laptops and I thought, oh, hell, what am I going to do? So I thought, oh, I better start a business So because that's all I knew. So I started One Planet Classrooms, you know, and I, I set it up as a business and Anyway, yeah. and then within and then I within within a week, another guy in Uganda, um, you know, connected with me. I told him about it. And he said, "Oh, I know heaps of schools." Well, within two weeks of me coming up with this business idea um, to yes. Skype between classes, I had forty five uh, uh, classes, forty five schools in Africa in Uganda that wanted to oh. join. And it was kind yeah. of like, and then I was like, then the crux hit and I spent so many months working out how am I going to get laptops to Africa because I couldn't because um, the you can't yeah. send them in the post because of the lithium batteries. Then I had to wait for, yeah. um, you know, uh, Rotary to be sending a container over. Okay. Anyway, I finally got them to uh, Kenya and we had to, we we had to do something illegal to get them into um, Uganda. So it wasn't fantastic, you know, I was, and, but then the, the, the stupidness of this is that that took, I don't know, you know, several, several months, maybe eight months. But in that yeah. whole time, I never, ever, ever stopped to look at time zones. And, you know, the kids in Africa were in bed and the kids in Australia were awake. So it was a, a complete bloody failure. But they were even worse, I sent laptops to a country where 95% of them don't even have power. So I, I don't know what I was thinking. But anyway... It sent me on a journey, and what what happened here was um, once I realised this is a this is a mess, it's a failure. But but twenty schools had laptops, and they had to take them into town to drip charge them all day, and it was just. You know. oh. When I was talking to all these teachers, what I found out was that um, the girls are the ones that go fetch water. And some of them can be, you know, only three years old, two years old, and they're they're walking kilometres with great big jerry cans. And and what's happening is that men are waiting along the path and and sexually assaulting them, and even three year olds being raped, you know. And teenage girls were swapping sex for sanitary items so that they could stay in school because if they don't stay in school, 
they have to be married, you, you know, at 11, 12. Yes. I mean, that's terrible. Yeah. So my choice was then, we're talking you know, talk about pivoting, you know, my choice was do I yeah. run with my tail between my legs and say I, I, I'm, a, I'm a failure, that was stupid, you know, or do I say, well, now that I have access to on-the-ground people, do I just start a solution to that and so what I started doing was looking at water tanks and you know how do we put water tanks into schools so that the girls don't have to walk and because there's no shortage of water in Uganda there's a shortage of infrastructure you know so if we could if we could harvest the water and so I started putting water tanks into schools and then um, you know things like solar systems because uh, the kids in P7 which is the highest primary if they don't pass they can't get the secondary the girls get married so we put solar systems in so they sleep in the classroom for three weeks with power just so that they can get uh, so they pass and then we start setting up women's empowerment projects and you know, adult education, pioneering that. We've got a, a student sponsorship program. It kind of just, you know, what a blessing to fail. I, I love telling that story yeah. because we're so scared to yeah. fail. But this has saved yeah. thousands of lives um, and empowered because so were, Because it fell through. Because <laughs> yeah. This is what happened. Um, yeah. we, I was talking to um, one of my guests earlier this morning about the power of um, yes in our lives and it is essentially just saying yes without buying into what the outcome may be because if you bought into that outcome that this is absolutely what I'm going to do, this is only what I'm going to do, then you wouldn't have gone on to create this wonderful organisation that does so much more than just connect classrooms. So the organisation is still going, Karen, and you're still passionately involved? Yeah, it's all, yeah, it is going. It's uh, COVID has certainly put a kibosh on it a bit yeah. for the last year. Um, you know, they've been in lockdown too, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it is still going. It's all volunteer. So there's, you know, five of us on the yes. committee and, um, yeah, and I still run it. And it's, yeah, so we don't get paid. So it's it can become no. quite, quite stressful at times when you're trying to do other work and you've got to squeeze it in. Right now I'm needing yes. to pay pay all the um, sponsorships and that that's that's hours yes. and hours and hours on end. But it is still going, just no projects in the last 12 months. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's still sitting there. Yeah, it, it will come back again, I'm sure, Karen. I'm, I'm sh- the gift of COVID is that ability that's made everyone stop, rethink and redirect how their lives might be in the future, which has been the biggest blessing, I guess, to come out of COVID if if you're thinking about blessings versus all the rubbish that has gone on with it. Karen, I know you're passionate about um, advocating for women across the world and this triggered a new challenge for you, didn't it? Can you tell the audience about that? It did. <laughs> it was, um, you know, as, as if I don't have enough to do. Uh, I was at an yeah. international. <laughs> I was at an international Women's Day event, and there was, um, I think it was Press for Progress. You know the hashtag, and it was 2018. There were all these cards on the yeah. table, and it was kind of like, I will stand up for women. I will speak out for women. I will, and I thought, uh, these are really. Uh, I'm not. I won't say lame, but I thought, well, I'm already doing that. You know, I, what am I? What's a challenge for me? Well, then I found this card, and it was fantastic. Yes. I have to read it. It's right here on my wall. It says, "I will launch yes. 
a purposeful female-focused initiative. Well, I got up on the stage in front of 300 women and I held this card up and said, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And then I got down off the stage and thought, oh, I've done it again. What, <laughs> what am I going to do? But, um, <laughs> In the year before that, I'd been talking about, um, you know, doing Girls With Hammers, but I, I kind of looked at it as, as uh, teenage girls in school, you know, challenging the stereotypes, yeah. and not sexualising yeah. themselves and, you know, really standing in yeah. their power. And I went home, my partner says, well, I guess it's time for Girls With Hammers, isn't it? And I said, well, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't work so well in the schools. Uh, you know, the teenagers are kind of like, nah, I don't really need to be told this because we're interested in boys and... But what what we discovered is um, a real gap for women, you know, in between 45 and 65, the kids are left home, they've spent their life looking after the kids, looking after the husband, and then they're suddenly lost. And so it was... We've we decided to do conferences. We we did our first conference in two thousand. Only a few months after that, I think I was bloody crazy, but yes. I did it. You know, we, we we did it. It's not just me. There's two of us, yes. and um, yes. you know, we we brought together 150 women, and they had the best day of their life. And so, you know, and, and we've had so many people say to us, oh, I, "I've never experienced a day like this. I felt like it was all about me. I met so many other yes. wonderful women." I'm not alone. These stories are the same as mine, you know, and so we have speakers yeah. that share stories and it is, it's it's growing year by year. Last year we had to can it because, you know, uh, but yes. now we're having another okay. one, in a few, our third one in a few weeks' time and it's just building and building and building and everybody loves it and we love it because you see so many women step into their power and they can just be them for the day, you know, without any yes. other ties around their feet and it is fabulous so i love it and just love Karen, it tell us about the structure of the girls with hammers, hammers conferences besides speakers what else do you do on those days yeah, so that no, we we just have um, five or six speakers, and and then we also have mm-hmm. so many giveaways. Like we just give, have, yeah. we have all these um, local businesses that give um, donations, and we give them away all day. So we have we give away yeah. so far. I think for this conference, we've got about thirty five giveaways. So it just goes on and on and on. But the other thing we do is that um, we. It's always funny. There's always fun. There's tears. There's fun. You know, lots of laughter. Yeah. Uh, we ha- and we have lunch, of course, where everyone connects. But one of the other things we do is we always choose a charity, and it's never yeah. mine. It's never at one point classrooms, but we we give to something that we're passionate. So this year it's um, Footprints yeah. Foundation, which is a local yeah. organisation that supports families going who have somebody going through cancer. So. Um, and last year it was the Olivia Newton-John Foundation last time and the one before yeah. that was Sea Shepherd because we're um, big on animal, yeah. animal yeah. activism. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a feel-good day all round. Everybody wins and that's just marvellous. Karen, what's the big vision for Girls With Hammer? Tell us about that big vision. 
You know, ideally, um, we're only operating in Gippsland at the moment. Uh, we want to move to all yeah. the capital cities in Australia, and then we want to be able to bring it internationally. We did have some talks in Singapore two years ago. Um, you know, that, that mm-hmm. hasn't eventuated because of the situation, but um, and the yeah. person we're talking to moved on. But uh, we would like to take it internationally, and we're also looking at um, experiential retreats. So we all we have a we have a Definitely. program called write your next chapter where women can, um, you know, sit down and say, well, what, what do I want for my future? And we want to do it through yeah. building toilets and building houses and that in Cambodia and stuff like that. We work with yeah. um, Heartlets Foundation in Cambodia. And so, you know, we'd like to do that um, where where people have an experience for growth, you know, and, and a really profound, yeah. profound catalyst to say, hey, my life is worth something. I matter. Absolutely. I can make a difference. Yes. And that's our that's our big vision. Maybe it's not big enough, but that'll do for now. I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> now we just need to get you back up on stage and you, there'll be something that comes out of carrying around girls with hammers just because you think of it yeah. in that exact moment. <laughs> yeah. um, so Girls With Hammers is um, ramping up again and, it again, it's specifically for women 45 to 65. Have I got that age right? Uh, yeah, well, that's what we say is the demographic, but we get yeah. kids there. We get we get teenagers that are 13. Yeah. You know, one teenager yeah. came two, two years ago. She said her life changed significantly. She she came out of the closet, got picked on, bullied at school, and then she, yeah. left that, she stood up at that conference and said to her mum, you know what? I don't care about them anymore. I, I, I'm going to follow these women and I'm strong and I'm going to stand in my power. Yes. And to have a 13-year-old say that, that's... Um, what a gift. Uh, yep, yep. If that's all we could that bring. Be, yep. Yeah. If we could give that gift to every 13-year-old girl who felt that confident to stand up yep. and stand in their own unique power, again, we would change the world. We would. Karen, um, the next book was um, that you wrote was called Get Off the Bench. And I love, again, Karen's wisdom behind this book. Can you tell the audience about Get Off the Bench? Get Off the Bench started because uh, I was talking at a conference and the guy says, the guy running it, Matt, great, great guy, says, can you run a workshop at the conference? And I said, what about? And he says, starting projects. And I said, why? I don't know yes. anything about starting projects. He looked at me like, "Are you, are you mad?" Yeah, he didn't believe you, did he? <laughs> so I did. The, I did the workshop, and um, I, I promised the people I'd send them. I said, "Look, there's a whole lot of other things I want to tell you. I'll do a PDF. Give me your email, and I'll send it to you." So I came home and started writing the PDF, and within four weeks, I'd written a whole book. And I thought, "Wow, this is fantastic!" Well, here's a second book. You know, it was. The, the whole idea of it, it's, it's kind of like <laughs> this is how I work, you know. It's its a guide yeah. to helping people to kickstart their ideas. You know, it could be a community project yes. or a side hustle or it could just be a, a personal goal. So um, all the way yeah. it goes through it, you know, what's what's your idea, what's your, what's your vision, um, what's your why, what's the thing that's driving you to do it because that's the most important yeah. What things are in your way? How are we going to get around them? How do we break this down so it's manageable? Um, are there, you know, uh, what's the problem you're solving if it's if it's a business or a community project? It, it just and it looks mm-hmm. at all, all the legal stuff. Not not that I can. You got to remember, it's written for Australia, but I've tried to make yes. it so that it's for international people. International. Overseas. 
look this up in your country, do you know, that sort of stuff. So um, it's selling way more international copies than it is Australian copies. Yes. It's... um, yeah, I just love it because and so many people I've also made it small, like, you know, it's it's yes, it's, it is. it's just perfect. It's little, little, oh, I can't do it with this thing. It's little and it's um it's written for, you know, like fifteen year old um level so that you but can just breeze breeze through it and so many people have told me they've read it and they've kick started their project and that, I couldn't be happier. Cool. Yes, it's fantastic. So for the audience, we've got links to Karen's books uh, in the live chat, but also we've got links to Karen's books on RadioTony.com. And if you go to KarenVaughan.com, it's .com, isn't it? Um, yes. You'll also find the links to all of her books, um, upcoming workshops and information about Girls with Hammers. So um, the next Girls with Hammers conference is in Victoria in a couple of weeks, did you say, Karen? It is. It's on the 6th of May in Gippsland in Victoria in Australia. Yeah. Yep. And you've got information about that on the website as well, Karen? Absolutely, on girlswithhammers.com.au. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I just, I love the, when I was putting together the um, intro for the show today and I got the logo for Girls With Hammers, I immediately thought I can't do that logo without actually having a picture of a girl with a hammer. And um, and I was really happy with the one I found because it's such a dynamic um, yeah. logo. It's really yeah. great. Now, Karen, we are um, getting towards the end of the interview, but I wanted to ask you about some of the big things that you think you might want to accomplish in the future. What does that look like for Karen? Well, I'm going to tell you my grand plan is to buy yes, um, is to buy, <laughs> is to buy land all around the world to create sanctuaries, um, you know, f- to protect to protect wild animals. I had that on my wall for many years in my other house. I took it off when I moved here and I actually gave up on that plan thinking that it's too big. But I've been talking to people just recently who are saying, no, I actually think that's attainable. So that's my goal. You know, yeah. I, I had a goal five, five at 55 so that I'd have $5 million when I was 55 and the interest would buy yes. land in a country every single year. But I didn't achieve yes. it, but um, I'm okay with failure, so I'll, I'll work my way around that. That's my big uh, thing. Look what, happened. look what happened out of the other failure. I wouldn't call that exactly <laughs> failure. No, exactly. I'm sure it'll happen. Um, but I want to do a lot more keynotes. You know, I, I was travelling internationally doing keynotes and talking about yeah. things like, um, you know, creating your future, stand, starting now, unlocking your genius, you know, that sort of stuff. So I want to do a, a lot more of that. But now Zoom's come, you know, I can yeah. I can do it via that. Um, I also do workshops for um, leaders, you know, to to. position themselves as leaders instead of waiting for those formal positions to become available. Let's just, hey, if there's a gap, you step into that. You step into that. So I can't wait to do more of those, and particularly internationally. You know, I'm doing a lot of work around the world with climate change groups and uh, universities. If I just want to do a lot more organisations who invest in their team, who just want to bring some magic and really get their 
people unlocked, you know, so I can't wait to grow that even more. I will write another book, um, probably yes. about around kindness. Um, I'm, I'm tinkering yes. with a couple at the moment and I just don't know which I'm choosing. Um, and I, eventually I want to do some uh, documentaries and I, I perhaps yeah. that'll have to wait until I build the sanctuaries. But uh you know, yeah. nothing's off the nothing's off the table. I'm open to all possibilities, and I have learnt that you just keep your mind open, and you know, consider what comes in, what what's placed in front of you, and you know, maybe that's the thing to go with. And if there's a chance to pivot, you you can always. Your vision is my vision is to make a better world. You know, and the vehicle I use Absolutely. to do that it can be anything. So it, I might have my sites it on videography and it might end up being teaching and whatever it is you know i'm still going to achieve that goal now i'm going to make a better world every the thing day is, the thing is karen that the more people we have investing in tackling climate change tackling conservation of our um, animals across the planet the more people we have tackling water issues in poorer nations, the more people we have tackling those problems, the better the world is going to be. It's not a, oh, someone's already doing that, so I can't do it. Well, no, no one is doing it like you are going to do it. So no one can replicate Karen and Karen's approach because there's a uniqueness that that drives you forward and there's a a uniqueness in the solution that you provide to do that. Um, Particularly where a conservation of our animals is occurring, if we don't do a lot of work in that particular area, we will continue to lose animals that we've lost forever. From my perspective, that's unthinkable, isn't it? And it's not just unthinkable because it's absolutely it's it's abhorrent, you know, that we would do that. But yes. it's the yes. people aren't, just don't get it. It's every single animal is on this earth for a reason. It's our ecosystem. We lose one, absolutely, we the ecosystem. It's it, it it does. And when you talk about, just very quickly, when you talk about, um, you know, I used to want to save the world, but it was when I realised that I had my jigsaw piece and if I just yes. focus on my piece and put it in, I'm adding yes. to the big picture. And if everyone just takes their piece, yes. puts it in, piece. we're eventually going to build that puzzle, you know, and we'll get a tipping point. It'll be... Well, if you think of it this way, Karen... Um, if you take a place like the Amazon, which has incredibly unique animals, fauna and flora, and yep. some of the most dynamic, world-changing discoveries have been in that place and in, in that land, if we don't protect that, we might be depriving humanity of something that will save us in the future. So everyone, like you said, Karen, needs to take their unique passion and drive, use it as a jigsaw in the jigsaw of humanity and do it anyway. Because each person, it'll take each person doing their unique job and following their unique passion to get it done. It's not going to be one person saves the world. It will be many people save our animals, act on climate change, which climate change in itself will impact generations and we yeah. have to be working on that right now 
Otherwise, yep. our grandchildren won't inherit the same uh, earth and planet that we've got now. It's important, 100%. isn't it? Yep. And we've got access to Zoom. We've got access to anybody in the world. Yes. You know, and like I do my stuff in Africa. Now, if you think you can't make a difference, I didn't go through, I don't have, I don't have money, I don't have a degree, I don't have corporate backing. And, and all the money that from that, I didn't, I've got no funding whatsoever. It all comes from friends on Facebook. I say, hey, I want to build a water yep. tank. Who's in? And everybody pitches in, do you, you know. And I think yep. that we have to just understand that we have got so much power, so much power with we this. Have. We can connect with anybody. My, my sister raises money for a, 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 for a guy in Bali and he buys supplies for homeless people and, and drives around yeah. to do it. So you think you can't make a difference. That's rubbish. Everybody can do something. Can make a difference, even yep. if it's just a little difference. So, so the person that has the funding from Australia in Bali that, that provides for their poorer citizens you don't know if that child that you're helping to feed will grow up to be president of Indonesia. 100%. And because they've experienced the kindness, generosity from people, they know then how to show kindness and generosity to their people. You don't know what your little ripple effect will have on the world. Karen, I'm sure in the classrooms that Karen's or the or the work that Karen's done in Africa, there will be an amazing leader, a world changing thought leader, uh, yeah. an explorer. Uh, any sort of thing can come out of just sticking to what you know you need to do and doing it anyway. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it comes back to that power of saying yes. Feel it in your gut, feel it in your soul and do it anyway. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Don't be afraid of failure and do it anyway because look what can come out of that. Yep. I have two sayings. If we can make a difference, why wouldn't we? And transformation happens when we begin. So start now, you know, just start because it feels... The just starting is the important bit. If you don't have to know what's out there, you don't have to have a big grand scheme, just start somewhere and start now, start today. That's Karen it. Vaughan, I'm just so privileged to have had you on the show today. Um, it's a delight to have you live on Radio Tony Everyday Business and to chat with me in the audience about your wisdom and knowledge from your te- your standpoint and what you've been through. All the best with Girls With Hammers. It's a fantastic and phenomenal um, project to be working on uh, with a fantastic age bracket, I have to say. I'm biased. Um, for people listening, don't forget out to <laughs> jump onto Karen's website and grab those books, uh, the Get Off the Bench and, um, sorry, it's gone from my head, right? Magnificent Magnificent Kids. I was going to say Magical Kids. That's not right. It's Magnificent Kids and Get Off the Bench. Jump on the websites and have a look and connect with Karen. She is a gorgeous, gorgeous human being. I've already made notes on my notes here today. I need to connect Karen with this person, this person, this person, this person, because that's the way the world works. If you think of, if you're listening to someone and say, gosh, I'd like her to be introduced to certain, do it. Mm. Absolutely. Jump on an email and do those things. They're spirit led, they're intuitive led, and they change the world. 
Karen Vaughan, thank you so much for being on Radio Tony today. That, my wonderful listeners, is our lot again for this week. We will be back next week with another Everyday Business. I'm your host, Tony Lontis, the gorgeous Karen Vaughan. Thank you so much. Bye for now, everyone.